This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food, the wine, the entertainment, the lifestyle. This is Melinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. Sponsored by Vane Innovations. And a good Saturday to you folks. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. Well, my next guest is Atlanta's best love restaurant, and it has been for more than 30 years. Has a special place in my heart because I actually had my first date with my husband there, and I remember what I had, the Pasta Primavera. It's Murphy's Restaurant in uh, Virginia Highlands, and we're going to talk about... um, a restaurant that they've opened in the Vining's Jubilee, Paces and Vine. So I want to welcome Tom Murphy and Ian Winslow to the studio. Guys, thank you for taking your Saturday. I know it's very busy having two restaurants. So thank you. So, Tom, you have been a legend in the city as far as restaurants go for uh Forever, you start. You started as a, a young child selling hot dogs, Peachtree Battle. That's right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thirty over thirty years now. Thirty-five years. Um, this December um, marks the anniversary of our thirty-fifth year, and I still love hot dogs to this day. <laughs> yes. Um, so I lo- and it, I was a child in the food business. Uh, I lo- Atlanta has been a great city for food, and, and I would say today it's even more such. So Murphy's uh, surrounded, and you've seen the surgeons that we've had with restaurants uh, just exploding, and Murphy's is still the top of the list year after year after year. And uh, from my perspective, uh, it's the consistency of the food. It's the friendly uh, staff that you have. I mean, from your side, how do you keep that up for 30 years? Well, um, first, I, I have three kids I have to get through college. And, <laughs> oh, I understand. Uh, whatever it takes is what you do to keep it up, right? You know, so, um, but the bottom line is great people. I mean, Ian, my partner here, um, is a fantastic chef. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, getting my kids through college. Uh, We've had great talent over the 35 years of being in business, and uh, that talent uh, has made Murphy's. I've just shared in uh, creating a great atmosphere for them to shine in and, uh, you know, have had opportunities over the years to open other operations, and uh, but wanted to make sure my kids uh, had a, a father and, and a great family life. And so after 30-plus uh, years, now that my daughter is off to hospitality school at Ole Miss. Really? Yes. Uh, Going to take over know, the business? Uh, well, I don't know about that. You know, whatever her passion is, is where she should go. But um, it was the right opportunity for me to finally be able to partner with such a talent like Ian and uh, Dave Green, our other mm-hmm. uh, talent uh, partner, and and venture out and, and open a second one. So Murphy's has, has kind of straddled the neighborhood restaurant fence, and then it's the place that you want to take visitors when uh, they come into town and, and family because it's just such an incredible restaurant with a great menu. 
Well, thank you. Uh, um, again, the menu is really built on you know the talent of the chefs, and uh, you know Ian is very in tune with what guests are are wanting and eating and and liking and not liking. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think all the talent uh, and the success has been being in tune to that. Uh, so. We just try to stay in the mainstream, but also uh, keep developing. Uh, the na- Virginia Highlands is was the quintessential neighborhood res- or neighborhood of, of Atlanta uh, for many many years. But now there's many other neighborhoods uh, in in town in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Vinings was a, has always been a great neighborhood too, uh, but it was on the other side yeah. from where we are. Uh, and so there were, you know, the, Atlanta finally is a city like other major metropolitan cities where there's a vibrancy in town with yeah. lots of great communities. Well, you know, what makes up Atlanta are the it's everybody feels like uh, it's just made up of small neighborhoods. And Vinings is a good example of that. And you uh, you said last October, November, um, you opened up uh, Paces and Vine, and Mm -hmm. Ian, you uh, are a partner in that with Tom, Yes, and I looked at the menu. It's incredible. It is a good, hearty menu. I mean, it is one that you are going to leave quite satisfied, and it's not one of those frou-frou where you're going to have to go through the drive-thru on the way home because you're still left hungry. Well, I mean, I think that Murphy's has such a fantastic tradition and is so based in the fact, too, that it's a neighborhood restaurant, and that is really what we wanted to recreate in Vinings, was take the, the Murphy-esque feel and put it into Vinings, and I think we've successfully achieved that. Now, I've known you for years, Ian. Our, yep. our children have grown up together, and um, I've watched uh, you cook and been amazed for years. Uh, your background, you have uh, been cooking with some of the top chefs in the world, uh, you started. Well, too way too long ago. We're not talking about that. <laughs> but you I've been have cooking a long time. Yes. You you started in in London. In London. Yes. And then went to France, and I, then I spent some time in France. I spent some time um, in the Caribbean, and then I came to New York in 1988, and um, spent like five or six years in New York. Went to LA for a few years, and then came to Atlanta. And I've been here ever since. So when you create a menu, are you are you pulling from all of? Are you taking your uh, a European roots along with a little Caribbean, a little Southern? How are you creating your dishes for the menu? I really want to stay relevant. I mean, to me, that's key to everything is that we need to be relevant. So that um, I follow food trends. I see where people are eating, how they're eating, what they're eating, and so we try to fit into that genre, but staying within our concept too, which is you know, contemporary, but still comfort food at Mm -hmm. heart. And so um, everything that we do is done through that. Okay, you've been in Atlanta area as a chef since the 96 Olympics. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, how have you seen Atlanta's palate change? I mean, when I first came to Atlanta, I think Piggly Wiggly was the standard (laughs) grocery store, you know. I was horrified. I came from L.A. and I was like, oh, my God. I mean, how much have we changed now, you know, with Whole Foods and... With farmers markets all over right. the place every weekend, it's amazing. What's happened in this town is amazing. Right. So if you're walking into a restaurant and they're not farm to table, it's a it's a gas. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think now more than ever, our consumers are so much more savvy as to what they're eating. Um, and they know where the food's coming from. They understand what, what good sourcing is. And, you know, we need to be a part of that. We need to be part of that movement. And we really f- try hard to do that. So at Paces and Vine, uh, are you changing the menu? Um, how often? Do you just get a whim and you just, oh, today we're going to add this to the menu? How- we tweak it. At the moment, we're still tweaking it often mm-hmm. because we're still trying to understand the um, the business and we're still trying to understand the clientele. Murphy's is a much more stabilized it's been there for as you said a long period 30 35 years we evolve murphy's menus and Mm -hmm. so um murphy's is an evolution and we're still sort of having a revolution at places and vine but it's it's coming much more clear and um it's getting much better all the time so we seem to be on the right move do chefs pay attention when the plates come back from the table what's left on the plate yeah, you need to look at that and, um, you know, you need to see what people, just because somebody orders it doesn't necessarily mean that they like it, you know. Right. So we need to, we pay a lot of attention to that. So what do you see that's kind of uh, in vogue right now that's coming down the pipe that's really new and fresh? Well, I mean, the drive the drive to farm to table has sort of become, um, it's almost like a cliche now, mm-hmm. but I think the really fresh Great food is what people are, re- are really looking for. And I think the more now more than ever, nobody's got time to cook. So restaurants are becoming the nutritional base of people's lives. And it's mm-hmm. really important that we respect that as chefs. And um, your uh, Paces and Vine is very reasonably priced. Yes. I mean, that's part great of our value. concept, too, is that we're a value-driven concept. So Great. Well, tell us about the wine tasting at Paces and Vine, because Vine is part of the... Yes. I mean, you know, Murphy's has a fantastic tradition of wine. Tom's a very passionate wine man. Um, He's he's had a wine shop in his restaurant for how many years, Tom? Yes, it's been 25 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we, I mean, we've always enjoyed wine and, um, you know, the wine tastings as much as an education for the staff as it is our guest. And uh, so... Uh, it's a constant journey, just like when we talk about the farm-to-table movement. Uh, the food coming in the back door is part of the education to our staff as they meet the farmers that uh, come in. Um, and the same with wine, you know, tasting at lineups and uh, and having ta- wine tastings where uh, the uh, producer winemakers come in and uh, sharing that experience is uh, a total uh, sort of holistic experience, yeah. not only just for the staff as well as the guest. Tom, what is the biggest thing that you've seen? in your 30 years in the restaurant industry change well that uh, change is inevitable right that the one thing I've seen is that we've we're constantly changing uh, and but the the trends are uh, not uncommon uh, that we you know when starting in 1980 uh, in terms of the food and and even though it was different but uh, you go from a convenience to than doing everything from scratch, and but how people are eating is is changed. Uh, you know, we, I saw the Starbucks revolution when people used to eat breakfast, and now they drink breakfast, right? And then, uh, you know, people used to cook at home, and now they uh, they don't. They 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 get their food at the grocery store. Seeing people, you know, the thought of eating at a grocery store in 1980 was like that's like buying uh, your dinner at, or, or a bottle of wine at a, right. at, a, at a gas station. Right. But you know, today you can go to a gas station buy bottles of wine. And they have deals, right? You know, right. Um, and you go to a grocery store like Whole Foods, and people are sitting there eating, you know, and it's common. And so I think there's a, just a lot of change. There's a lot of different uh, dynamics of dining. So though food seems to be consistent, because you know, great food has always been uh, the root 
of uh, freshness, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you didn't have a lot of money, you bought fresh food uh, if in you, if you lived in the country right. because that's all you had. Sure. So, uh, you know, I started in the municipal market on Edgewood Avenue, and, you know, the, the clientele there is different in, in that the economics of that market was feeding uh, poor people that were on uh, food stamps. And so, you know, pig's feet, pig snoot, uh, chitlins, kale, collards, and that was 35 years ago. Yet today we call it charcuterie, and we're eating kale and collards because it's good for us. Uh, so it's a very fascinating – the basics haven't changed. We're just, be, we're just sort of becoming aware of how to spin it. And, the, and great food, when it's the freshest, is it, it's cheapest and so because it's abundant. Right. And I think we're just becoming more aware of that, and, we're be, and because we're aware of it, uh, we have a choice. Do we buy it because it's cheap? But it's convenient and quick. Or are we buying it because it's inexpensive, but it's fresh? I mean, you know, it's right, right there in our backyard. So um, food is very interesting change right now. Well said. That was Tom Murphy from Murphy's Restaurant in Virginia Highlands. And we're speaking with Ian Winslow from Paces and Vine. It's 19 minutes after 1 o'clock. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to sample some of the food from Paces and Vine. We'll be back right after this. Amora Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. Thank you, Scott. And oh, my gosh. Um, I almost hate to come back on the air because I'm enjoying a lobster cob salad and uh, sashimi. Am I saying that correctly, Ian? Yeah, or seared tuna, yeah, whichever okay, way you want to. Okay, I like the way you say it better. Uh, both from uh, Paces and Vine at uh, Vining's Jubilee. Mm-hmm. And these are very flavorful filling delightful dishes so on the lobster this is a lot of lobster is this the amount of lobster that comes on every salad yeah that is that is amazing this is huge chunks of lobster on this salad and delicious for a hot day like today right oh this this is perfect okay so where if people don't know and the vinings jubilee kind of describe where the location is it's um, basically at the end of West Paces Ferry Road. If you take Paces Ferry Road until it dead ends, um, the old Vinings Inn mm-hmm. is right at the end, who I don't want to promote, obviously, but um, <laughs> they're right. They're our neighbors, and we're in the Vinings Jubilee Shopping Center, which is on the left. And it has a great patio. Super patio. We've got a fireplace when it cools down a little bit more. We'll run the fireplace again in the fall. It's lovely. Okay, and so uh, you have anything special coming up? Any wine tastings or any specials that you every, want to promote? Every Wednesday we do wine tastings. Um, at the beginning of August we'll do a farm-to-table dinner. Um, we do those at Murphy's every month too through through the season. Um, we have one coming up at Murphy's at the end of July. And then the beginning of August we'll do one at Paces and Vine. So we showcase farmers from the area because there's so many great farmers out here. Well, hats off to both of you. This has been incredible. And, Tom, um, I've been a big fan of yours. Thank you. I- I'm bowing down to you. you um, you're you certainly uh, a superstar in the Atlanta area, and you make you're us kind. No, I, I mean, true. You, you, you have made us look good to the international food community for many years with Murphy's Restaurant in Virginia Highlands and then transferring that to Paces and Vine. And this is just an incredible – Incredible uh, salad and tuna dish. Ian Winslade, always a superstar in the kitchen. Thank you both for joining us in the stu- uh, in the studio. And I know Tom, you have to rush out, but we'll have you back on as Thank the you. menu changes and yes. and try some new dishes. Okay. We'd look forward to it. Excellent, yes. folks. You've been listening to Atlanta Living. More coming your way next. And welcome back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. 
Listen, I want to remind you folks to look for a tweet from me, and my Twitter is uh, WSB Belinda, W-S-B-B-E-L-I-N-D-A, or go to BelindaSkelton.com and look for uh, the little banner to register to win a chance to be part of our live audience to watch my show on July the 25th, and we're going to sample food from Grill Dome, and we're going to sample some festive drinks, and that is going to be on July the 25th. Fifth, you can be part of our live studio audience. So look for that coming your way on my Twitter account, WSB Belinda, or my website, BelindaSkelton.com. So check back this week, Monday or Tuesday, and we'll have that up on for, for you so you can register to win. Well, uh, my next guest it has a great book called Detours, Steve Gilliand, and um It's How to Handle Life's Detours. And Steve, welcome to the show. And um, when when I read about your book, it's not about totally about turning uh, lemons into lemonade and looking for the silver lining. It's 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 you know, when people say, well, there, you know, there could be an upside to this when you're in the, the thick of the the downturn like if you lost your job or you've lost a spouse and somebody says that to you you just want to punch them in the face but uh, in your book you say that this could be an upside to when life hands you a big fat detour well and i think the listeners will know you know the terminology of you know one door closing and another one opening yeah and I, I'm not one that, you know, I'm a realist, and I don't jump up for joy every time something negative happens, and I say, wow, this is going to turn into something great. But I've learned that, you know, it's all about the way you react to it, and your kind of your mindset towards it. And I recently said to an audience that, you know, your greatest growth in your marriage, you know, personal life, professional life, your greatest growth usually occurs when you're facing challenges. It's because at that point, you have to reach down and you figure out how to make it work, and, and you go beyond maybe where you thought you could. So it's a growth opportunity. But I know I look back at my past in times when I thought, oh, my gosh, my world is over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be any better. I look back now and think, wow, am I glad that happened, or I would not be where I'm at today. Well, you're a member of the National Speakers Association Speaker Hall of Fame. Um, you're on Sirius XM Radio, Laugh USA, and the Blue Collar Radio, uh, and you've Stood, you stand alongside of uh, our buddy Jeff Foxworthy and other comedians, and you speak to audiences, uh, 250,000 people a year, and you share this platform with numerous dignitaries about how to handle life's detours. Um, you have several books, Enjoy the Ride, Making a Difference, <laughs> Hide Your Goat, and then your latest, of course, Detours, uh, Developing the Mindset to Navigate Life's uh, Turns. Okay, so let's say you've lost your job. Um, what is the upside, the the positive side to that? Well, <laughs> That is a loaded question. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, if somebody's listening who's just lost their job, that doesn't feel very positive. Well, the only thing that I can tell you is I've had it happen to me kind of close. Uh, one of my children, their, their dear friend, lost a position in the financial world, 
And, you know, I, I, the comment I made at the beginning, you know, what had happened, you know, that he was devastated. And sure. I said, listen, I said, you know, first of all, you know, it's how you're going to react to this that, that's really going to tell me, you know, how soon thereafter, you know, you're going to seek and gain other employment. Mm-hmm. But then I think you have to see that the, the, there's more than two sides to the story. I always say there's three sides to the story, the way, you know, the way they see it, the way you say it, they see it and the way it really is. And ironically, you know, right away, this person and this, you know, friend of my son's looked at me and said, so what you're saying is, you know, I need to have a good attitude about it. And I said, well, that sounds kind of simple, but yeah. I said, what you need to realize is that, you know, there may be something that you weren't even, you, you know, you were going to be in a, what I call a complacent situation, maybe apathetic towards, you know, maybe a career move, a career change. Right. Ironically. He now is in an interview Tuesday, as we're speaking today. He's interviewing Tuesday for a position that the entry level is almost $10,000 more than where he was Wow. At. And he, he kind of smiled and said, and I, and I looked and I said, listen, it always doesn't happen that way. Right. <laughs> but I said, your willingness to redo a resume, your willingness mm-hmm. to relook. I mean, he really worked hard. And I think that's what happens is we get into the day-to-day, the mundane, and then something does happen, the detour. And, and what happens is we almost wanted to make a U-turn. It's like we want to turn around. And I said, listen, you know, what you've got to do is just look at it and say, okay, well, maybe this is the kick in the backside I needed. Yeah. You know, maybe I did need to realize there's something else out there. And what he's seeing now in this interview Tuesday is there is. Well, uh, if you don't mind, let's ask the callers if they've had something devastating, uh, a detour in their life, and they would like for you to tell them, the upside of that, uh, let's ask them to call in. 404-872-0750. That's 404-872-0750. Uh, it sounds like that people need to accept and embrace change. And and I know for me that's very difficult. And I have to constantly work on accepting change and embracing it. Well, and, and we do, and I think, you know, I just, I was speaking in Las Vegas last week, and one of the things that I quickly, you know, I was saying to them, I said, I want you to think about Timex, and I want you to think about Zenith, and I want you to think about Polaroid and Kodak. I want you to think about Sears, and all your listeners right now, you know, if, 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 they're, if they're baby boomers or traditionalists, they know Zenith, they know Timex, mm-hmm. they know Sears, mm-hmm. and the thing that is all common with those companies. At one point, Belinda, they were number one in their industry. Mm-hmm. There was no better watchmaker. Nobody had more market share than Timex. There was no bigger consumer goods company than Sears. Right. And yet, so many times, you have to realize that, you know, change, change occur. It's, gonna, it's inevitable. Change is inevitable. It's the growth that's optional. And you have to have that mindset to identify that things are going to change. Your health is going to change. You know, when you used to be able to take off 10 pounds, just, you know, you could say to yourself, man, I can lose 10 in a week. Oh, yeah. Those were the now, days. <laughs> it's going to take you two months, you know, depending on what your age is and how you... So, and it's so... I, I want to use the word overused when people say, well, you have to embrace change. I said, you know, let's not use the word embrace. Let's use the word, you've got to recognize that things are going to change. Right. And if, you, if you're aware that they're going to change then I think you're a little bit, you know, you're more prepared for it. It's kind of like saying an overreaction is disproportionate to the problem at hand. Don't overreact to something. Just make sure you realize that, 
it's going to change. Yes. Your, your life is going to change. Friends will change over years. Those of us that have had that one friend for years, we're fortunate. We're blessed. Because many people, you know, it's, it's a season of life. Okay, let's go to the phone line, Steve, and speak with Kim in Atlanta. Kim, you're on WSB. How are you today, sweetie? Great, great. You know, this is an excellent topic. I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this. <laughs> um, I took a buyout from a large newspaper here in town in 2009, and um, it took me three years and ten months to get a permanent job. But I had a series of positions that were contracts during that time that added to my skill set. But also, I looked. I took a really uh, hard look at my skill set and said, "What else can you know? What what else can I do to add to my to accentuate what I can do?" Um, and and I, you know, like right now, I'm taking free online. I'm learning to write code on Khan Academy, and and there's other places where you can learn mm-hmm. learn to do that. So always try to add to your skill set. And I've got it. I mean, I'm in. A little over two years ago, I got a great job in, that I love doing, and more in the IT um, vein of, of editorial content. And, you know, you take a look at what you have, and, you know, it's kind of like taking a recipe that you've always made and making the recipe a little different with some extra ingredients. Okay. I love that. I mean, I, I love that because one of the things I've always said is working hard for something you don't care about it's called stress. Working hard for something you love, it's called passion. Yeah, and, I have you know, a good time at work. <laughs> yeah, and what I'm hearing you say is, you know, when you love what you do and you, you have a real realization of why you do it, it's just so much more fun to do it. Well, yeah, and like I said, if you are, if you do lose a job or something like that, take a look at, okay, what, what do I know how to do now? What am I good at? And, where, you know, what can I, what else can I learn? I mean, people really need to remember that nowadays you, I mean, I'm almost 60, and I'm still learning. And I, I'm always trying to add to my, my toolbox, my bag of tricks of what I have to offer to an employer. I love that, Kim, that you're taking classes now and learning a new skill set. So um, I want to talk about, you know, we've talked about people losing their job, Steve, but, um, and hang on the line, Marie, we're going to get to you after the break, but um when people lose a loved one, that is also um, an, a terrible detour in someone's life, whether it's a friend, a spouse, um, a, a loved one, and how they can overcome that and arrive on the other side Um, relatively unscathed so let's talk about that steve after the break you're listening to atlanta living only on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb now more of belinda skelton's atlanta living thanks scott and uh, we are speaking right now about how to handle life's detours and it's not a matter if they're going to happen to you life happens and uh, it you will have detours throughout your life whether it's you losing a job you losing a spouse uh you having an accident an illness so we brought on steve gilliand he is the author of detours and he um is a, a famed speaker and he's on the line with us now and steve so we had several calls about people who had lost their job and you you 
talked about it's all in how you look at it and make those decisions but let's talk a little bit about if people have lost a loved one whether it be a spouse um, a friend and how you look at that and overcome that the first advice I always give in those situations is you know let other people and again if it's another person that you're trying to help you know let them grieve in their own way you know their own unique way uh, my best friend in life lost his wife to cancer at age 39 and I remember saying to you know other people and friends um, or at the time I even said so-called friends you know I said let you know just just let him grieve in his own way the thing that I reminded Todd the thing that I would remind anybody is is that you know you have to you have to realize you know the good times are going to make you smile the tough times should make you thankful and in the loss of a loved one it's a combination really of both because you're remembering those good times that are going to put a smile on your face tears may roll down your cheek but in the tough times that you went through you're going to be grateful for those because it's going to help you navigate the future but in all of that one of the things that i have asked and i've, I've said this to people and even myself, because I've experienced the loss of a loved one. And, you know, and the thing that I've said is, how would they want me to be acting? What legacy can I carry on for them? Right. What was important to them? Whether it, you know, even in a philanthropic way, or you know, may- maybe it had something to do with church, maybe it had something to do with, with, with some kind of a charity or some kind of a volunteer. Whatever's important to them, I felt like, okay, this is what they would want carried on. And, you know, and I just believed that. And, and, of course, some people actually have conversations with people prior to their passing, and I think that's the tribute. I lost a secretary, dear, dear, dear friend. I talk about her in my books. I talk about her from the stage. And when I spoke at her funeral, her husband said, and his words were, make them laugh. Yeah. Make them remember who she was. Make them remember the joy that she gave us, her uniqueness, you know, her character, mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you what, between laughing and crying, it was one of the most incredible um, celebrations of, of the passing of somebody I'd ever been a part of. Oh, that's beautiful, Steve. Well, I, I wish we had more time, and we will have you on again. Uh, Steve Gilliand, the author of Detours, and that's uh, you can find that in your local bookstore now. And if people would like to follow you, do you have a website you'd like to give them? Sure, they can go to my website, which is my name, stevegilliland.com, spelled G-I-L-L-I-L-A-N-D, stevegilliland.com. I mean, even if they Google Enjoy the Ride, which uh, Detour is the sequel to Enjoy the Ride, okay. if they Google Enjoy the Ride, they can find me. Well, it's uh, valuable advice that, that we all need to hang on to. Thank you so much, and we'd love to have you back on again. I would love to be back, and thanks for having me today, Belinda. Absolutely. Okay, coming up next... We all love to shop, so let's save some money while we do it. We're going to have Jessica Dollar on with talking about how to save money when you're out there shopping. Stay tuned.